G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. This podcast is made available by Vision Christian Media, thanks to the generosity of our supporters. Your donation today means great podcasts like this remain available to help people look to God daily. Please make your donation today at vision.org.au. What do people in heaven know about what's going on here on earth? People in heaven may know more about the time and place of events on earth than we realize. It's one of the most common questions people ask about eternity. Are our loved ones aware? Today, Pastor Greg Laurie provides some answers. There's a direct connection between heaven and earth. We think heaven is so far away. Think of it more as another dimension. This is the day when the lost are found. Is there something of a heavenly grandstand where our departed loved ones can watch the events of our lives? Or are heaven's citizens hidden and blissfully unaware of our struggles? It's an interesting question, and today Pastor Greg Laurie finds insight in God's Word. Glad you've joined us for a new beginning and our continuing series in the book of Revelation. We come to a new section in our series on the book of Revelation. And for the sake of an illustration, let me compare it to a film. Now, I don't know about how you guys go to a movie, but for Kathy and I, it always involves popcorn and milk dots. I'm not sure how that started, those two things, but that's what we get, popcorn and milk dots. Now, sometimes I'll say, Kathy, come on, the movie's starting, and there's a long line at the concession stand. And she'll say, but I have to get the popcorn. And I'll say, but Kathy, you don't want to miss the beginning of the film. You find out who the main characters are. The plot lines are being established. And she always shows up about four minutes late. And then she's saying, who's that? Why do they do that? I'm going, oh, you did. that's why you have to be there in the beginning of the movie. So, If the book of Revelation were a film, we would now know who the main characters are, both good and bad. The hero appears in chapter one, and of course it's Jesus Christ. The good guys are in chapters two to three, that's the church, that's us. Now the villain and his bad guys come barreling in in chapter six as the four ominous horsemen of the apocalypse. And now the real action of the book is beginning to build. Uh, The music is swelling and, and we're sinking deeper into our seats. And I don't know about you coming back to theaters, but after I'd walk out of a theater, it was embarrassing to see how much popcorn I dropped on my seat and on the floor. I felt bad for the people cleaning it up. So Now this is the big moment as the story continues on and now we see conflict. In fact, it looks at this moment in the book of Revelation as though the bad guys are winning. 
because we see wickedness taking hold as Satan rides roughshod over planet Earth. The good guys are getting pummeled by the Antichrist. But, spoiler alert, Jesus Christ returns in the end and we win in the end. Just in case you didn't know, so Revelation chapters 6 to 19 are really the heart of the book. These chapters contain 21 judgments that will be unleashed on the world during the seven year tribulation period. We have three distinct series of judgments that will befall planet Earth uh, during this time known as the tribulation. Basically it's gonna be seven seals, seven trumpets, and seven bulls. Let me say that again. Seven seals, seven trumpets, and seven bulls. But let me say at the outset, God takes no pleasure in this. You know, sometimes people want to portray God as angry, you know, with a lightning bolt in his hand, so excited about bringing judgment on planet earth. Nothing could be further from the truth because the Lord says in scripture, I take no delight in the death of the wicked. There are positive aspects of the judgment of God, believe it or not. Number one, God's judgment frightens us. And that's not a bad thing. It's supposed to. And it'll make you think twice before you do that thing. And as you watch uh, God's judgment or the repercussions come into a person's life when they've done the wrong thing, it's a warning to you to not also do the wrong thing. Number two, God's judgment sobers us. It forces us to reassess the way we've been living our lives and sometimes it causes us to change our priorities. It's C.S. Lewis who said, pain is God's megaphone to reach a deaf world. So God can use these things to get our attention. Another thing about the judgment of God, it humbles us. It strips away our self-righteousness and reminds us of how sinful we are, reminding us that we're not in control of our own lives and it reminds us that we desperately need God in our life. And one last thing about the judgment of God, it reassures us. Say, no, Greg, you got that one wrong. No, it reassures us. It reassures us that there'll finally be justice in the world. Every day we get up in the morning and we read news sites about horrible, unthinkable events that take place, crimes that are committed, horrible, sinful things that are done, and we think that's not right. But we remind ourselves, one day there's a final court of justice. That's what we're seeing unfold here in the book of Revelation. But now we come to a group of courageous believers who are put to death. People that would not take the mark of the beast. People that would not pledge their allegiance to the Antichrist. In fact, maybe even people that you have shared the gospel with that will miss the rapture but come to faith later. We read about them in Revelation 6, starting in verse 9. And when he opened the fifth seal, I saw under the altar the souls of them that have been slain for the word of God and for their testimony which they held. You might underline those two things that come back to them. They're slain for the word of God and the testimony they held. And they cried with a loud voice saying, how long, O Lord, holy and true, until you judge and avenge our blood on those who dwell on the earth. Then a white robe was given to each of them and it was said to them that they should rest a little while longer until both the number of their fellow servants and of their brothers who would be killed as they were 
was completed. So we'll stop there. Who are these people that appear in heaven who've been put to death for their faith in Christ? These are people who have come to believe in Jesus during the tribulation period. Again, these are people who miss the rapture. These are people who refuse to take the mark of the beast. Why were they put to death? Two reasons are given. Look at Revelation 6, 9. They were slain for the word of God and for the testimony they held. Number one, they stood for the word of God. Number two, they had a powerful testimony. Let me ask you a question. Do you stand for the word of God? Do you speak up for what is true? Maybe people are saying things in a conversation that you know contradict what the Bible says. Do you have the courage to say, well, let me just offer my opinion and the Bible says, it's funny, man, you bring a Bible out and people freak out, don't they? Just the very presence of a Bible alarms some people. But you may quote it because you have one nearby or you may have memorized a verse and you share what the Bible says. And then also they were put to death because of their testimony. Listen, every Christian has a testimony. Now the question is, is it a good one or is it a poor one? A testimony is your story of how you came to faith in Jesus Christ. We read later in the book of Revelation of people that overcame the devil, and we'll get to this in a future message that I'm calling How to Overcome the Devil. But we read that they overcame the devil by the blood of the Lamb, by the word of their testimony, and they loved not their lives until the death. And so they used the blood of the Lamb and their testimony. So your testimony your story of how you came to believe in Jesus is a powerful bridge to start a conversation about your faith. You might even be surprised to know that uh, when I'm sharing my faith with people, I don't start with a sermon. I don't cruise around with a little pulpit like this on wheels, you know, that I have in the market and I'll stop and preach a sermon. Now, I usually start with my own story of how I came to believe in Jesus as a young kid at the age of 17 and what really got through to me. So they have their testimony and they're persecuted. And if you stand for the word of God and if you're bold with your story of what Christ has done for you, you will face a degree of persecution. Uh, in fact, we're told in 2 Timothy 3.12, all who desire to live godly lives will suffer persecution. Great to have you with us today. You're listening to Pastor Greg Laurie from Harvest Christian Fellowship in Riverside, California. And today he's continuing his fascinating series in the book of Revelation. It's a study called What Heaven Knows About Earth. Let's continue. Now we come to the heart of this message. Remember, we're talking about what do people in heaven know about what's going on here on earth? Follow-up question, do they even care. So before we dig into this passage here in Revelation 6, let's think of some other passages that tell us a little bit about what heaven knows about earth. The first one that comes to mind is found in Luke 16. And here's the point I want to make. People in eternity are aware of the fact that their loved ones are not saved. People in eternity are aware of the fact that their loved ones are not saved. Going back to Luke 16, it's a behind the scenes look at the afterlife. Some think it's a parable, 
but a parable is an illustration. This is a real story because names are attached. And it's a story of two men. One was rich, one was poor. One had no interest in God, one believed in God. They both died. The rich man had a big funeral. It would have been on all the television stations. Everyone would have known about it. The poor man, nobody even cared about him. By the way, his name was Lazarus. And Lazarus lived from the food that fell from the rich man's table. So they both died and they entered into eternity. Lazarus, not the same Lazarus that Christ raised from the dead, by the way, but Lazarus in this story is immediately escorted by the angels into heaven, into what is called Abraham's bosom. The rich man, meanwhile, is sent down to Hades or a place of torment, and he's literally in flames. He realizes how horrible this is, and we read in 1628 him saying, I have five brothers, and I want to warn them about this place of torment so they won't have to come here after they die. So this indicates a knowledge in heaven, in the afterlife, about what is happening on earth. And I bring this up because sometimes people say things like, well, you'll be oblivious of what is happening on earth and, and you won't remember anything about what happened on earth. What are you talking about? This guy is aware of the fact that he has brothers that are alive on earth still and he doesn't want them to end up in this horrible place of judgment that he finds himself in. So when you get to heaven, you don't know less, you know more, right? Because the Bible says, that in that day we will know as we are known. First Corinthians 13, 12. We will know as we are known. By the way, that word means to come to know. This indicates that there is still a process of learning in heaven and in the new earth. It's not like you die and go to heaven and all of a sudden you know everything. You know as much as God knows. No, that's not true. Only God is omniscient, all-knowing. I will keep learning and growing in heaven. In fact, Ephesians 2, 6 says, God has raised us up with Christ and seated us in the heavenly realm so in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace. And that word show means to reveal. So this phrase coming ages indicates there's a progressive ongoing revelation in which we learn in heaven more and more about the grace of God. Isn't that gonna be exciting? Here's another point, number two. When people believe in Jesus on earth, it's public knowledge in heaven. When people believe in Jesus on earth, it's public knowledge in heaven. In Luke 15, Jesus told three stories of people who lost something. There was a woman who lost a coin there was a father who lost a son, and there was a shepherd who lost a sheep. And in the case of this shepherd, he went searching until he found that stray sheep and brought it back, wrapped around his neck, rejoicing. And then this point is brought there in Luke 15. Jesus says, in the same way, there'll be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous People. So know this, when you're engaged in evangelism, this is pleasing the heart of God, and when a person believes in Jesus on earth, there is joy in heaven. But notice it says that there's joy 
in the presence of the angels of God. Sometimes we'll say, when an unbeliever comes to Christ, the angels rejoice. Well, that's kind of true. But it's not exactly what it says. It says there's joy in the presence of God. Could that verse actually be suggesting that the great joy is not among the angels alone, but it's among us? In other words, is it possible that in heaven I would be aware that my life or testimony or witness had some impact on someone who had just believed. In other words, I'm in heaven and I know someone that I shared the gospel with just came to faith. Maybe it's my son or my granddaughter or maybe a relative even beyond that or, or someone else. But there's a direct connection between heaven and earth. We think heaven is so far away. Think of it more as a, another dimension that you enter into when you go into the afterlife. So go back to Revelation chapter six, verse 10 and 11. We have the martyrs crying out, how long, O Lord, holy and true, until you judge and avenge our blood on those that dwell on the earth. Bringing me to my next point, people in heaven may know more about the time and place of events on earth than we realize. Again, people in heaven may know more about the time and place of events on earth than we realize. Who are these people? They're mere mortals. They're people like you and me. They've been put to death for their faith. But they're aware of things. For starters, they're aware that they were killed for following Christ and they know that was an injustice. So they're the same people in heaven that they were on earth. There's a direct continuity. The martyrs are fully conscious, rational, and aware of each other, aware of God and aware of what is happening on earth. Also, I would add there's a direct connection between these believers in heaven and those that are still on the earth. They refer to their fellow servants and their brothers. Again, this is connected to these people in particular, but if it's true of them, could it not be true of us? So my point is simply this. Heaven knows more about earth than you realize. Some revealing insights today about heaven from Pastor Greg Laurie in his study series in the book of Revelation. Today's message focused on that very subject, what heaven knows about earth. And next time we'll have some more insight on those believers who are martyred during the Great Tribulation and how much heaven knows about what's happening here on earth. Join us again right here for a new beginning. Today's message from Pastor Greg Laurie was called What Heaven Knows About Earth. If you'd like to listen again, just download the free Vision Christian Media app where it's available as a podcast. Or for a copy on CD, contact Vision Christian Store on 1-800-00-5011 or visionstore.org.au. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.